Welcome to the Marshall Pro Podcast and uh, Week in IndyCar listener Q&A show. I truly was contemplating whether I should just bail on it for the week. Why? It is 9.02 p.m. on Thursday night, August 4th. This might rank as one of the latest to record during a span of a week episodes I've just about ever done. Uh, No complaints. Totally my fault. I've just been looking for a window this week where things weren't kind of exploding and being crazy. And yeah, just just hasn't happened. (laughs) So running out of time, uh, absolutely, absolutely need to just get this done. Uh, the bad part of having things delayed, and again, I do fully apologize for this, is many of you, uh, we got all kinds of questions, 50 plus, I believe, my pal Jerry Suddeth tells me, uh, were sent in this week many, many thousands upon thousands of questions, and they were all super extra timely uh, as of a couple of days ago. So what can I mention that has happened since then? I don't know. Carbon copy of the Palo Ganassi McLaren thing appearing to be kicking off in F1 uh, with our boy Piastri, the Alpine team, and we think McLaren. Um, Crazy amounts of parallels there. Owing to the late time and hour and day this is being recorded, I will go ahead and assume... You have read plenty about it and or listened to other podcasts that got you up to speed and opined on it. So uh, I'll just take a pass there due to uh, the timing of when this is landing. After that, what else? Uh, We had the movement of the Palo case from, call it local jurisdiction in Indianapolis to federal that is something that, with the advice from a, a really cool IndyCar fan who's also a lawyer, uh, has been sharing some insights there. I've been trying to keep you up to speed on that uh, at racer.com. We'll also mention trying not to lean too heavily into the million updates about that uh, lawsuit per day and tweeting out all kinds of, here's this little wrinkle and this and that, like, uh, I know that I am genuinely at my limit of interest. I've, I'm past caring about this, and uh, we haven't even gone to trial yet. But I also would have to believe that most of you are of the mind of like, hey, if it's a major development, we'll read about it. Okay, but just let's not turn this into a TMZ thing where uh, just nonstop 24 hours a day social media blasts and stories up the you-know-what. So that approach, uh, taking that, happy with that. Uh, What else can I tell you? Just filed a story here within the last... I don't know why I'm stumbling with my words. Actually, I do. I'm exhausted. (laughs) But that's uh, not an excuse I can use, just an answer as to why. Uh, Within the last 20 minutes or so, filed a long piece on why Alexander Rossi was not disqualified, and it also goes into a lot of the processes and methodologies in technical inspection and maybe some of how IndyCar arrived at its decision. 
uh, spent a lot of time on the phones over the last 24-ish hours. And uh, I, if you're curious still, um, might be interesting to read just because there's a lot of stuff in there. You'd be amazed at how something is maybe seemingly as innocuous as this uh, is actually uh, involved in such a detailed uh, process of how they got to where they got uh, after that, or before that, whenever, also filed a story today uh, about some really weird stuff that I've heard about, known about, have more sources, impeccable sources, than I could ever hope for on a contractual situation with Felix Rosenquist. Um, heard about those, yeah, uh, pretty much right after the Toronto weekend was done. And, uh, again, no question about the uh, quality of the sourcing and impeccable uh, voices and such, uh, all sharing information about that. So uh, I just hope the guy, that being Felix, gets taken care of. And whether it's signing with his current team to stay in IndyCar or another team to drive for them in IndyCar, um, among all the questions and just craziness. Uh, I hope Felix just ends up in a good place. I hope the same for Alex. I hope the same for Chip Ganassi, Zach Brown. I hope all these people get to a place. Uh, Piastri, Daniel Ricardo. I don't know who else should we throw in there. Um, I just hope all these people get whatever it is that they're hoping for, looking for, without it being damaging or destructive to uh, one another uh, in their professional aspirations. So, I don't know if that's a little bit of a kumbaya moment, y'all, as I'm just about to dive into your Q&A, but... Remember, like, that, that thing that we kind of come here for, for the most part, which is IndyCar racing and just things kind of being about the racing. And, yeah, sure, there's always a little bit of off-season or off-track drama, but it's kind of sort of minor. I, I, yet again, whenever I think we've gone as far as we can into craziness, no, 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 there are more levels, there are more gears, so... What might happen this weekend? I have no idea. Uh, can we start the rumor that, I don't know, uh, Max Verstappen is defecting from Red Bull to drive a new, I don't know, pick your favorite, monster energy drink uh, IndyCar program? Eh, let's do that. Why not? Uh, Co-driver is going to be Gilles de Ferrin. Because who wouldn't want uh, my favorite blockheaded Brazilian uh, as their teammate? I don't know. Um, I'm just wide open. Like, there's no meme that that's too far out of the realm of possibility. Uh, whomever it is that did the uh, uh, Jimmy Bly uh, signed for Alpine in 2023 uh, image, I, I just, I bless you. <laughs> I bless you and thank you because that just had me rolling. Uh, anyways. Why don't we do exactly that? Get rolling with our show. All brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. I also have something that I hope to share with you next week. A uh, cool little professional development, maybe. Had a outreach uh, from 
an entity wanting to have me uh, contribute there, not frequently. Um, and I don't have the bandwidth to do anything more than infrequent contributions, but it was a really amazing outreach. Uh, so we're going to talk more next week, hopefully finalize that. Nothing else is changing, you know, with working with Racer, Road and Track, doing the podcast. Nothing's changing, just this, it would be a cool, be a cool little thing. Um, if I get to say that, uh, that's also within my, uh, my client base. So more on that next week, hopefully, but thanks to y'all for uh, sending in your great questions and giving lots of love to my wife and I and our cats and, uh, more to follow. So little bit of music bed for you here. And I've got until about 10 o'clock tonight. So can't say I'm going to get to all your questions, but we're going to rock through as many as we can. Uh, and this is going to open up with our pal, a keen member of the Prude Listener Group, uh, that being John Wojnar, a.k.a. John Ranjow. I started calling him Ranjow because I couldn't pronounce Wojnar correctly. Uh, he says, MP, with all the legal drama going on in the IndyCar paddock, I have to ask, when do we get to the part where we find out if the tire marks could have been made by a 1964 Buick Skylark? A lovely reference to the Joe Pesci, Marissa Tomei movie from... I don't know, 30 years ago, my cousin Vinny. Uh, I love you, Ranjow, because you weren't even born when that movie came out, but uh, you found the goodness in this wonderful reference. Uh, all that stuff aside, uh, let's get to our first uh, serious question from another member of the Prude, Ryan Terpstra. Great to meet up with you and uh, some of the rest of you at Iowa. Uh, he says, another week, another Alex Pillow story. Moving to federal court didn't get my attention, but potential filing against Chip Ganassi Racing for Defamation did. Uh, this is one of those horror shows you can't look away from, so I'd like to think I've got a good handle on things. Defamation? I don't see it. <sighs> Pure guessing here, Ryan, because I'm having to do like you and imagine what they're uh, referring to on the Polo and his lawyer side, because again, there's no explanation given as to what they might sue for in terms of defamation. And as I read, for what I was able to read, of the limited number of documents they make available to uh, to view, I do believe it said, you know, there was no specific concrete we are suing, but could, might, may, I don't know, something in that range. Um, could it be a belief that the team putting out the Ganassi team, putting out a press release with quotes from Alex that he alleges, right? We can't state that any of this stuff is fact. We have to use the allege because none of us have seen this. None of us know. Uh, Alex alleges that he did not see or approve or have any involvement in the quote that he uh, was referenced as saying in the Ganassi press release confirming or announcing his return in 2023. According to Alex, he didn't do it, he didn't say it, he wasn't asked, etc. Does he then potentially believe, do his lawyers believe there could be a basis for saying, hey, they've defamed you, embarrassed you, something in that category for uh, making you look like a fool? Uh, in saying something that you allege you did not, 
if it's not that, um, I, I don't know exactly what he and they might be pointing to in terms of defamation. So that part had me scratching my head as well, Ryan. Um, the move to federal court, uh, as a friend has advised me, a lawyer friend has advised me, you know, there's a couple things here. Um, does the Pelot side believe that in a federal court they might receive a more neutral assessment than going to a local court, a uh, non-federal court that, again, who knows? Uh, would a judge lean towards Chip Ganassi Racing based in Indiana, in Indianapolis area, uh, and side against a foreign national, someone from Spain, uh, someone who's not a U.S. citizen, all kinds of not, not, not. I mean, I maybe I'm naive here. I struggle to think that the Marion County Superior Court and judge, a judge there would somehow say, well, I'm just going to vote for the home team uh, in all of my decisions, and therefore we're going to disadvantage the Spanish guy. I don't, but again, maybe I'm naive. Uh, but I know that there's definitely a belief in terms of if there, if impartiality is something you are striving to receive, I know that there's definitely a belief that if you are happening to do that, be in the middle of uh, federal jurisdiction, that you indeed have a much better chance of having everything being above and beyond reproach. Uh, I also understand, um, if we're looking at the filings, on the local level, uh, there's definitely lots of motions filed by the Ganassi side trying to just put this in top gear and fly. Uh, expedited hearings, expedited discovery materials being provided, all kinds of stuff. As I'm told, and they've already done this, they've had to refile everything uh, in federal court now. And there would not necessarily be the same reaction to say, yes, 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 full throttle. We're going to fire through this lawsuit as quickly as we can. Not that at the federal level they'd say, well, we're going to just slow it down for the sake of it. But just, hey, got to start this whole thing over again in a new court. It's going to take time to file things. It's just we're going to slow things down a little bit. Uh, have heard that that could be a strategy. Uh, by Pelot's side as well, to not feel like they're having to sprint through something that maybe they don't want to sprint through. So, again, uh, hard to say exactly where the decisions are uh, uh, falling, but those are the, the couple of leading ones that were presented to me. Why don't we move on here, and what are we going to do? We're going to go to our pal Mitsuki Matsura. Says, what kind of impression did you get from the Indy GP2 in terms of the championship fight? He asked, who gained momentum? Who lost momentum? Asked also, who's out of the frame for the real championship hunt? Uh, NBC said that it's the closest championship chase in 20 years, and you say, Mitsuki, that you loved it. Uh, I'm with you. I do love how crazy tight this thing is. I would prefer this, or I prefer this, over some championships where it's seemingly done and dusted uh, by the middle of summer, 
and you know for the most part we're just waiting to find out uh who's second who is third um all that i have seen here all that we have seen develop uh, i mean it it's pretty darn remarkable how close things have been but it's also it's an indicator honestly of other than joseph newgarden nobody has really had a standout kick butt year Marcus Erickson, big Indy 500 win, uh, consistent as heck, used those double points from the Indy 500 to uh, propel himself into the championship lead for a number of rounds. But, right, Will Power, one win, that's great, lots of podiums, but it's a lot of people at the sharper edge of the championship fight now, Mitsuki, that are just wearing themselves and, and us out with podiums and top fives compared to, holy cow, <laughs> everybody stand back. This driver's going on a rampage. New Garden's the closest thing to it, but he's also had enough inconsistency. And I'm not talking about his driving performances, but you know whether it's a shock breaking on the car, just some off days or whatever it might have been, He's the highest performing driver, third in the championship, uh, only, what, 32 points behind power, who's just had a season of great fluctuations. But he's done so well with those four wins, nobody else has had more than two, that it's taken him up to third. But that also says something pretty big, doesn't it? How do you win four races and only be third in the cha- in the championship when the leader only has one win, and the guy in second place only has one win. Again, it's the lack of consistency. So Dixon as well. Scott Dixon's in fourth. He's got a win, but uh, it's the fluctuations that have uh, held him from really making a strong charge so far. Pato Award, two wins, big fluctuations. Uh, That's been the story, Mitsuki. That's why things are so tight. Because we haven't had a breakaway. So that's the thing I'm watching for, and I hope you you, and everyone else are watching for when we get rolling here at Nashville, then move on to Gateway, Portland, and say farewell to the season in Laguna. Is there going to be a breakaway? Is Erickson, if he wants to be champion, I think everybody agrees you're probably not going to do it on one win. You're going to need at least two, if not more. Hey, power. That win at Detroit's amazing. You're going to need one, if not two more. Joseph, right? Uh, he's going to need one more, if not more. Dixon, I just run down the line. For those who are left in the, the realistic hunt for the championship with four races left to go, uh, what is it? Uh, 216 points left to get. 50 points per win uh, maximum, 50 points per win, plus the potential of four bonus points, uh, one for pole, one for leading a lap, and two for leading the most laps. Well, if you win a race, uh, you're going to get 51 guaranteed because you've got to lead at least one lap, the final lap, to be declared the winner. So uh, a winner gets 51, and unless I'm somehow forgetting something that would make them not automatically get one but uh if you think about 
what we have. Just a little over 200 points left to get. It does create a natural shelf where, of course, miracles could happen and monkeys could fly out of my butt. Um, sorry for the Wayne's World reference there. Um, but there is a bit of a natural filter of those who might not be mathematically eliminated, but are practically uh, eliminated. Uh, that shelf going into Nashville hits right around after seventh place, Scott McLaughlin. Uh, he's at 350 points. Power is at 431. He's 81 points back. Again, I know 200 and whatever it was, uh, 16 points sounds like a lot. You just got to keep in mind that for those that we're talking about who are in the, the thick of the championship, they're not prone to zero points kind of days. And you can't even earn zero points. You even get points for finishing last. But just saying. Of course, you could have a Joseph uh, Iowa round two type thing where you're leading and then boom, you're more or less last uh, through no fault of your own. That, that was a big loss in points for him. But just from a practicality standpoint, unless we have some crazy drama, Marcus chucks it in the wall, power chucks it in the wall, Dixon's car breaks, whatever. These are the folks who are always there, thereabouts hunting for a championship. Marcus kind of being new to this in IndyCar, uh, McLaughlin as well, but they don't tend to shed a lot of points per round, even when they don't have amazing days. So that's just why, again, I look at McLaughlin in seventh and say, after him, things become basically impossible. Mathematically, okay, we haven't ruled him out, but Felix Rosenquist, for example, in eighth Mitsuki, um, he, to me, is in the dead zone, 100% dead zone. He's got 299 points. Power, again, has got 431. Uh, that's more, not just more than 100 points out. That's uh, 132 points out of the lead. Uh, maybe he is mathematically eliminated. I could be totally wrong. I haven't done the math yet. I do plan on doing that tomorrow morning for a story. But uh, just saying, yeah, if you are... Even McLaughlin has a long way to go. Pillow, Alex Pillow in, in sixth at 379 points. That that feels like it's about the most realistic distance uh, among the rest of the field to possibly catch an overhaul power or Erickson or whomever, again, ends up leading here in the final races. So, um, yeah. Uh... It is crazy, but who is going to break out, or will anyone break out? Are we going to be doing this kind of limping thing into Laguna where one person takes a win here, another person takes a win there, nobody stretches themselves out from the others? Um, but we're going to find out yet again here on Sunday. Uh, Gary Chin. You say, MP, it seems like Penske Entertainment is doing pretty good promoting events. Iowa, the Indy GP were successful. Also throw in Detroit there. It says, do you think they would promote more events at current or future tracks? Great question. I will pose to uh, RP. We're supposed to catch up this week by phone, but uh, I, it's total. I, I just haven't, <laughs> haven't had the bandwidth, uh, so that's my fault. But I'll try to remember Gary to ask because it does stand out to me, especially coming out of Iowa. 
And I think I wrote in a column after Iowa that it seems like their involvement might be the thing to turn some events that we currently have that aren't crazy successful in terms of fan turnout and maybe corporate support into much better stories uh, in that regard. So um, I will ask. I don't know. I hope so. Uh, what do we go to Eric Franklin? Said I had the opposite thought from Gary. Uh, how many events can Penske realistically continue to promote on their own? Isn't that something to be concerned about? Not if they add staff. Um, it might have come across in the article that I did with Penske Corporation President Bud Denker after Iowa that this was a all-hands-on-deck thing within the greater uh, Penske employment empire. <laughs> so it was folks coming in from everywhere to you from this track or this faction of uh, the business, you run this and you run that. And it all worked, but it also involved a lot of folks doing, you know, double, triple, whatever duty to get over uh, all the, uh, the work and talent uh, requirements needed to make it a success. So my main thought Eric uh, and Gary as well is if Penske Entertainment were to do this, which I hope they do, um, it wasn't crazy long ago uh, where Roger owned a whole bunch of racetracks and promoted a whole bunch of events. Does he have the appetite to do that again? I don't know. Uh, the owning a bunch of new tracks, maybe not, but would it seem like a perfect opportunity for RP and company to expand a promotions events department to staff it up and be able to take on more races? Uh, I think Iowa tells us yes. Ed Joris says, tell me why I'm wrong. You're wrong. We don't need a reason. Uh, That's what I said. See, Um, Ed said, should I talk in my 30s, 20s gangster voice for no reason? I don't know. I haven't done that in a while. Uh, you say the IndyCar NASCAR weekend at IMS does nothing for IndyCar stakeholders. It's a throwaway event at a throwaway venue that produces throwaway racing. Uh, wasn't this joint event thing uh, with NASCAR supposed to be reciprocal? If so, when is IndyCar going to be invited to a NASCAR event? Chicago Street Race or Charlotte? Uh, you say the IMS event just solidifies IndyCar's second banana status. I hear you. Uh, I don't disagree in the, man, it is really weird to be at the track that IndyCar made, right? The track that made IndyCar, vice versa, right? That's <laughs> Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Indianapolis Cars, Indy 500, Indianapolis 500. That's us. Um, it is weird to be there. And, uh, yeah, be sleeping out on the couch instead of in the uh, master bedroom. But I can tell you this. Uh, some little birdies suggest to me that once IndyCar is able to beef up its schedule from 17 to some of the new events that I mentioned might be coming onto the calendar in the coming years. Uh I know that they want to grow to 19, 20 races or so. 20 is the number I keep hearing. I also hear that there could be a willingness to jettison that second uh, Indy Road Course race uh, in favor of using that date for one of the other new events coming in. You might then say, well, wait a minute. If the second Indy 
road course race has us at 17 and they want to add a couple races, get to 20, wouldn't taking that second race away kind of set them back on the number they're aiming at? Yeah. But I also think there's a, a good realization that to your point, and I think most people's point, it's cheap. Most teams are based in the greater Indianapolis area, if not one state away, Shank in Ohio, Coin in Illinois. Um, others have a little bit of a farther drive, but by and large, it's the cheapest place to go racing. Don't need hotels for most of the teams. Don't need this. Everyone sleeps in their own bed. Uh, no travel costs. Got all that. But it, to your point, it does nothing for the series. Crowd size. Bless everybody who turned out. Thank you. It was great to meet many of you, but uh, it's not a big enough number to have anyone saying, whoa, look how popular IndyCar is at its own track, holding its third race at Indiana. The third race at Indy, obviously the May road course race plus Indy 500. How many folks are fired up to go to the same track to see the same series three times a year? I think there's just a practical recognition internally, Ed, that, yeah, uh, we're just looking to get to some other places, and we certainly know a date on the calendar um, the past couple years that can be repurposed for that instead of uh, doubling up uh, as the undercard to the undercard for NASCAR. Uh, Our man John Sable says, MP, how much blame do you put on Herta for his gearbox failure on Saturday? Say so know that there's plenty of luck in racing, but you can also make your own luck, and it appeared Colton changed gears while bounding over the curb. Seems like a silly mistake at this point in his career. Yeah. I mean, we don't have... What we do have is the footage of that happening. What we don't have, John, is the footage from the other cars and other drivers who I would just have to think, if you multiply 25-ish, 26 cars times uh, a whole bunch of corners per lap where you might bound over those curbs and potentially shift i'm just saying by the number i would struggle to think colton was the only driver to do that on that lap that exact split second uh to then cause that effect uh when i spoke to colton a couple days ago he said he hadn't heard back as to what the problem was but did say uh, that they pulled the full gear stack out of the car and there were no issues there. So there was a, a question as to whether it was uh, some sort of uh, drive issue in terms of a tripod, a half shaft, a flange of some sort. Uh, so don't have the answer, but yeah, mistake wise, I don't know. I've seen folks in these cars pound much meaner curbs, taller curbs, more disruptive curbs at way higher rates of speed and done all kinds of things and the cars certainly did not break. So I'm not trying to make excuses for Colton, but I didn't see anything that said, whoa, dude, uh, you just created your own problem and you, you should not have ever thought of doing that. It just seemed a little fluky. Um, James Scott how you doing, James? Marshall, sending good vibes to you, your badass wife, and your cool cats. Well, thank you. Uh, should I mention that I brought the uh, cats to the groomer and to have their one-year uh, or their annual uh, physical yesterday? And my wife and I love that day because each year I just call it the attitude adjustment trip. Uh, so Rocky, who gets really loud and complaining each day, wanting food and wanting this and wanting that, um, 
you want to talk about uh, quiet as a church mouse and so thankful and respectful to be brought back home um, after going to his most hated place in the world, the groomer. Anyways, it's just funny to see his reaction. Rosie, she doesn't give a bleep, so she's totally unfazed. But Rocky, we get a couple of days of just angelic behavior and and gratitude, and then it's just back to meow, meow. So, anyways. Um Colton Hurd and Connor Daly both mentioned that the Firestone tires have had consistency problems for the last year and a half. Is this the first we're hearing it from the drivers? Uh, Has Firestone uh, commented at all? I was about to say commentated. Has Firestone commented at all on what issue may, uh, may be happening? And are they actively working to find a better performing compound? Or was it just a case of drivers being drivers? Um, I didn't write about this, and I didn't document it or you know i didn't do a sidebar story on it nor did i include it in anything else that i did involving the race and i also bailed on doing the cooldown lap which i normally do because again uh all the other stuff has just taken so much time and precedence that it's frankly filing a a cooldown lap on the indy gp uh would have to happen friday morning opening you know the day of opening practice at nashville so anyways failure there but I didn't include anything in that, James, because while I am not discounting Connor or Colton uh, in their comments, it's absolutely not uncommon to hear this. You just don't often hear it said into a microphone uh, with a NBC mic flag on it. Um, yeah, uh, consistency is something that I hear about from rookie drivers doing their first ever IndyCar test at Sebring or wherever else uh, saying, whoa, yeah, went from a new set of uh, primaries to another new set of primaries or whatever it was. And holy cow, um, just, yeah, uh, totally different personalities between these two sets. Now, I'm not saying this in some kind of mean or... Uh, accusatorial way against Firestone. Uh, Quote, mismatched tires, tires that are not uh, super consistent from one set to the other. This is not limited to IndyCar. You'll hear about this in F1. You won't hear, you'll you'll hear about it in NASCAR, but then they get yelled at a lot. Uh, You'll hear about this everywhere. So it's, as much as I would like to say that the the art and science, the black magic of making race tires, is something that leads to 100% consistency or 99 point whatever percent consistency, I've just never known that to be true. In all my years working in the sport, uh, now and all the years covering the sport, I've just never known that to be true. What is uncommon, though, uncommon, James, is two drivers saying almost identical things without, you know, I don't believe they were standing next to each other, so one just kind of uh, picked up on what the other one was saying right after uh, the other's interview was done. But what isn't common is two drivers effectively making the same very loud complaints about the same things uh, right after one another. So, yeah. Um, 
I would say it would be a surprise to learn that based on those comments, Firestone has changed processes, uh, chemicals, whatever. I I bet you that talks with those drivers and others uh, to find out exactly what they were finding as being inconsistent would have been had. That's very much a Kara Adams type thing. She is a, a, a professional driven by uh, information, data, stats, whatever whatever you want to call it. Um, but I can't tell you, uh, or I, I, I can't th- imagine um, if anything is truly going to change in how they make tires going forward. Also, just another little quick note to close on this. Firestone doesn't do the Indy road course race, then show up at work Monday morning and make the tires for Nashville and then finish Nashville and make the tires for gateway. Many of you know this, but these productions are usually either done well in advance or far enough in advance to where, you know, they're not, uh, taking them out of the oven, uh, Friday morning, uh, letting them cool out, uh, you know, in the window, overlooking the uh the backyard and then drive them over to whatever event so barring some sort of holy cow kind of reaction where there was a big problem that needed an immediate change uh, in those modified tires for the next race um yeah these are things that have been set in motion for a little while um let me see where do we go here i'm going to try and look at where we're at I'm not using my standard recording setup, by the way. Uh, I'm using the little mobile uh, recording buddy. Why? I just really did not want to go into the office at uh, 9 o'clock at night. So I'm sitting on the couch. Um, There's some sort of World Series of Poker that's on TV. Uh, I don't really care about that stuff, but it just provides a little bit of light. Uh, hey, we're at about 39 minutes in, so that's not a bad thing at all. So where do we go with roughly the last, uh, what do we got here? About 20-ish minutes. Um, uh, at Agility 2, you say, once Rossi had the firm lead on Sunday, it seemed as though the team switched to a non-public radio frequency. Any insight on that? Uh, I had one or two people ask. I have no clue. Um, and by the time I was wanting to reach out to talk to the Andretti team about the 27 car, um, yeah, they weren't really in the talking about it mood, uh, a whole bunch. They were super kind to share a quote, uh, about the, uh, minimum weight penalty and all that kind of stuff, uh, saying that, you know, uh, regret the mistake, et cetera, et cetera, but not a super chatty moment when you get dinged for a penalty. Uh, so apologies here, but yeah, had I done the show earlier in the week, probably could have gotten an answer for you, but failed here. Um, Crux 2237 asking any word on Napa sponsorship. Um, are they going to McLaren with Rossi or are they out? I don't know. Uh, I don't know what, Napa's plans are. Uh, I know that in the announcement of Kirk Kirkwood, aka Kyle Kirkwood, as the next driver of the car, the team, I believe, mentioned Auto Nation as a sponsor. 
uh, and some dry pink stuff. If my memory serves me correctly, Crux 2237, I did not see anything about Napa. Now, does that mean there's something bad going on? Not necessarily. Could just be that negotiations with the team were or something to get resolved now or in the postseason or who knows. Maybe they aren't returning. I don't know. But them not being in the Kirk Kirkwood release doesn't automatically mean anything um as i understand it and as i put in i think the most recent racer mailbag uh i can't tell you if napa would be going with rossi to uh air mclaren sp but the main thing i have heard is uh the the sponsorship that we see on the seven car this year with felix rosenquist that being views as i mentioned in the mailbag uh the thing that i have continued to hear is that views made it clear that they wanted a specific driver demographic uh to be met a driver who is both american and over again what i've heard is 26 years old i don't know why 26 compared to 25 or 27 i have no idea that's just what i've heard uh multiple times that views wants an american an American that's over 26 years old, I think 30-ish year old Alexander Rossi, who's definitely from uh, America and also pretty darn good at driving race cars and has won some pretty impressive races, uh, would fit that uh, domestic appeal uh, perfectly. So could Napa be involved somehow? I imagine, but looking at how views has really and truly branded the whole car as theirs. Um, I'd struggle to see how they would be involved in any way other than a, uh, an associate and nothing more than an associate. So uh, we will obviously have to uh, wait and see uh, Lawrence Cunningham. How you doing Lawrence? Uh Great to see you last weekend. I agree. Got to meet your wife, which was amazing. He says, uh, Scott Dixon was not happy after qualifying. The red flag at the beginning of the session seemed to throw the team off. Was there something different in personnel that caused it or just human error? Uh, you all say all the best to me and my wife, Shabrell. Um, I think it was just the team being a little off, at least looking. Uh, I didn't see anybody or anything that was radically different between... Uh, crew chief to engineer to, you know, again, if I'm wrong, I apologize, but nothing stood out as like, oh, who are these people? Uh, so, yeah, I think it was just compounding errors. And Dixon might seem like the Iceman and cool, and some might believe he doesn't have any personality, and all that stuff is nonsense. Um, he is, it doesn't come across the majority of the time, but that guy is just fierce, a truly fierce competitor. So anything uh, that involves a mistake or unnecessary lack of performance or procedure following, whatever, like, you know, one item, not going to be happy with it, but you're not going to hear much. You start getting into two or three, which is what he was describing of just, again, a, a snowball rolling and getting bigger of, of oopses and, and whatnot. Oh, yeah, uh, you get a not happy Scott Dixon. So pure guess, 
But after qualifying, whether it was a team leader, meaning you know someone high up in management, or Dixon himself, my guess is there was something specific with the nine car, a meeting that said, hey, uh, whatever it is, we need to hit the virtual reset button because we can't keep doing this. And if you look at how they performed in the race, overcame that poor qualifying position, uh, I think you'd have to agree that was really impressive. So uh, a bad Friday uh, fixed for, as I would say, about as much as they could with as far as they went on Saturday. Um, ben Cohen, uh, let's see. Uh, can you give any detail as to why the 20 car dropped like a rock for the third race in a row after qualifying in a very solid position? Uh, you say was disappointed to see Connor fall so quickly while Rena seemed to be able to keep up with the contenders. Uh, you also say thanks and hope to see you at Laguna to end the season. Uh, ben, I, uh, you and I share in that same desire. Can't wait to see you. And um, I really do. I know it might sound a little homerish, but... I really do enjoy um, getting to see some of y'all over and over again at events year after year or get to meet some of you for the very first time. Um, like I, It's among my most favorite parts of every race weekend because I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I've done this a long time and enough times to where the things that are new and energizing become harder to find. And uh, that's why I love what we do here because we do... Uh, uh, we do tend to get together and fellowship and build some cool bonds. Um, hey, on the Connor Daly thing, uh, here's what he said. Made a mistake today in the pits, stalling the car. And that's what I remember, Ben. Because well, I had the same thing. I'm like, hey, he's doing really well. Hey, that's a, a running order number that uh, isn't uh, super well. Uh, said the team gave me a really great car. It's really fast. I could admit when I make a mistake, and it was a real shame. We'll try to bounce back next week. I'm thankful the car was as fast as it was. So, yeah, uh, stalled the car, lost a bunch of positions, and race day, not super fun. Um, why don't we go to... Just going to try and pick and choose here in the last 10 minutes or so. Let me scroll through. Cody Oakwood. Awesome to meet you and your amazing wife, Shauna, and to see the kids. Uh, you asked a question about teams closely watching points. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a mindset by some uh, of like, hey, I can't make any stupid decisions, making a pass. As an engineer, try and keep in mind, like, look, if we have a terrible day in qualifying, uh, I might throw something radical at the setup because we're starting so far back. It, I mean, truly, that's all we can... It's it's a hope and pray thing, but for the most part, if you've got somebody that's qualified 7th and they're in the thick of the championship fight, that's actually the hardest thing because as a driver, you want to be first. You're not too far from first, but the six drivers in front of you, they're all animals. <laughs> right. So it, it's actually the worst part. Like if you're way in the back and having to go to alternate strategies and do all kinds of stuff, it's it tends to be more of like a woohoo, we're screwed. So whatever we can get, let's just go and try and get it and have fun. Because if, if we don't try, 
we're going to finish in a terrible position. Same thing. Uh, no effort. We'll, we'll be right here. Go crazy and try and maybe get caught up in something. Well, we're going to end up right here. But what if I don't? Well, maybe you can get a fun result and salvage the event. But the worst part, honestly, is if you're qualifying 7th or ninth or 10th and you go, oh, oh, it's the worst. What do we do? Do we throw everything at it? Do we not throw everything at it? Do I get hyper-aggressive trying to pass the minute a sliver of a whisper of a opening happens, but maybe snap the front of the car off? Like, oh, that's where things tend to get a little bit ugly. So this all comes back to points. Don't want to give away any. You want to get as many as you can. Where do you sit in the championship to affect your decision-making on how hard to go or not go? How, what kind of engineering decisions are made? How aggressive or non-aggressive? They're all watching it. Uh, it's the ones who've done this a lot and been in a lot of championship fights where you tend not to see the big fluctuations. Not, you know, Let's not do the crazy swing if we're okay. Uh, we'll be able to make up some positions, but um, let's not potentially lose our chance to fight for the championship because we tricked ourselves into getting you know overly aggressive with whatever we're doing um let's see doc jewels 11 uh you have two questions and i appreciate both you say continued wishes uh to you, best wishes to you and your wife any optimism that the delay in hybrid testing is due to toyota coming into the sport in 2024 or are Roger's comments from a few weeks ago about continuing talks with Toyota hot air? Um, Roger's not a hot air guy like that. And he certainly would not, would not have mentioned executive names and such if he was just blowing smoke. Um, are there times where any person can kind of fudge the truth a little bit? Sure, but outright making up nonsense? No. So... Uh, I don't question Roger on this at all. Um, the delay in hybrid testing is nothing to do with a third manufacturer coming in for 2024. Uh, I wrote about some of the issues that I'd heard about uh, on the manufacturer side. Both manufacturers have since reached out and say, no, wrong, refute all of it, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Perfectly fine. Um, I know that hybrid issues as well, which I've had a much harder time getting information on. Um, I continue to hear that there's, you know, some issues there as well. Uh, are the hybrid issues in dyno testing the either the major problem all along or what growing into one of the major problems and becoming uh, an issue that's leading to testing dates maybe getting pushed farther back. I'm waiting for more confirmation on that. Uh, so can't answer that yet uh, on the reasoning for the delays other than to say I know it is absolutely nothing to do with Toyota. Uh, I did get a very, very private update on where things are at with uh, Toyota in whether they will or won't decide to come and play IndyCar. I'm not at a place where I'm ready to put that in print, but I can say that not so long ago, I got a uh, an update that left me in a firm place of understanding 
of where this is at and that it is not dead. It's not blowing smoke. Uh, let's see. Uh, you have another question, which I appreciate. You said, you've been able to binge on the W series of late. You say Jamie Chadwick clearly belongs in a higher level of machinery. I read a rumor she might come over to Indy Lights, ignoring the fact that she should be in Formula 3 or Formula 2. Do you feel Lights is the right step um, uh, based on her skill uh, to get her ready for an issue ready for IndyCar? Uh, I would say no, not ready for IndyCar. And that's just because the W Series cars, I can't tell you exactly where they fall in speed-wise, but uh, I would say probably faster than the Indy Pro 2000 cars, but not by much. Um, Jamie's a phenomenal talent. Uh, I have written about the hope for her to come over, have interviewed her and done a story about her desire to get a nod from over here from someone in America. <sighs> Of all the women racers that I know of uh, in open wheel racing, who would be the readiest, is that even a word? I don't know. Uh, most ready to come and fire into Indy Lights, spend a year or two because she'd need to learn ovals, and uh, make the leap to IndyCar. She stands out globally as the top draft pick. Um I just wish that there were teams over here wanting to draft her. Um, so yeah, uh, I hope, I hope, I hope, because uh, no disrespect to any of the the women racing in IndyCar. Uh, Simone De Silva Silvestro is really the only at this point right now. Um, but the the issue has been who's the next Simone De Silvestro. You know, there have been plenty of women who've raced alongside Simona. Um, most, I think, in, just in terms of age and generation, are, you know, 35-ish, maybe a little bit older. That doesn't mean it, it's a bad thing. It just means where the younger women like we see with all the men in racing. You go, hey, look, Pato Ward, he's a pup. That's amazing. He's... You know, a generation behind a, a Rossi or a Pagano or whomever uh, who are in their early 30s, mid, late 30s, whatever. Um, where's that next Simona? And so, yeah, Jamie to me, really and truly, I hope, uh, can be that because I think she has the talent that definitely deserves development. Um, Ryan Caminiti, uh, you say, how many Joe Tonto or Jimmy Bly asks shift passes. Do you think Scotty McLaughlin utilized it Indy to move up through the field? He says you watch from turn seven. It seemed like every time by there was another spot gained. Impressive. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned having to give up on doing the uh, cool down lap column coming out of the race. That was about the only thing I found to write about that interested me. I didn't get to, obviously, but uh, the strategy uh, Scotty and his race engineer Ben Bretzman were on. Um, definitely stood out among all the other strategies they made it work scotty was passing like mad just again tire choice and timing and traffic and that that was awesome and yes every single one of those was a shift pass so i love that um indy nathan how you doing you say you haven't heard much lately about firestone's green tires are they still planning to use those this weekend in nashville uh you say uh, you're surprised a bigger deal hasn't been made uh, well, by the series lately, 
Uh, yes, they are. Uh, I opened up a Word document and uh, dropped in a c- couple of the quotes, I think, from Firestone about that. And here Friday morning, I hope to just do a little story about it. Um, I'm sure they're going to make a big deal out of it in the broadcast, as they should. Uh, if I had been a little farther ahead of the production curve this week, I probably would have uh, fartered out a story about it a day or two ago. But yeah, um, yeah, it's really cool. I'm really happy they're doing it, and I hope that we uh, uh, we have more races with them. Uh, Gator Racing 4, you're asking about the Meyershank Racing Struggles. I wrote about that a little bit today. I, I know I didn't go crazy in-depth, but Shank you know, really did cover things off, saying, like, look, there's no crazy panic, but we've just been missing on a lot of stuff lately. Uh, all, you know, for the most part, a lot of human error. Decisions that are just off, you know, uh, whether it's strategy or mechanical or fuel or just whatever. Like, hey, um, we've been getting a lot of things wrong. And we know we're better than this, and we're just going to have to hold ourselves to being better. So uh, I would say it's just a slump, as you ask about here. And after that, FitJ1983, you ask about, you say, uh, terrific to see you masked up and at the track, and thanks for waving. It was a little weird to be the only person wearing a mask uh, almost everywhere I went, but I don't care. I'm accustomed to being a fairly different person wherever I go. Uh, You say, what kind of changes have been made to the Nashville circuit? Wrote about that here earlier in the week on Racer. Uh, So would just welcome you to uh, go and peruse that. Um, I'm just looking at some of the questions below the red line of death. Uh, that our pal Jerry Siddeth has uh, has deposited. I think I'm just going to say farewell. We're just a little bit pe- a little bit past ten o'clock. I'm stuttering. Ever tell y'all my father stuttered? I don't know if I did. Maybe I didn't. Um, yeah, my father stuttered pretty heavily for a lot of his life, and uh, was able to overcome that through a lot of effort on his own to find words that uh, he was able to pronounce. But I don't suffer from that. I'm, I'm fortunate. Suffer's probably a terrible choice of words, but I apologize. Uh, but it is something that he was uh, afflicted by and, and dealt with his entire life. Um, I feel strange when I get into a place where I'm pretty tired and I stumble over some words because it reminds me of my father. And it feels lame because... I'm stumbling just on my own instead of this being an actual uh, affliction that I have to fight through. So, yeah, feel feels weird to be a little bit of a poser with a problem that I witnessed throughout my entire life with my father, but I don't actually have. But I sound like, am I spinning off the rails or did that already happen when I hit record uh, an hour ago? I don't know, but I can tell you, I do appreciate you, this... Uh, World Series of Poker is really boring, by the way, that I'm watching. The, uh, this is on ESPN. I guess that means they're athletes? Um, no, it's on CBS Sports Network. I apologize. Maybe that doesn't mean they're athletes. Uh, appreciate you and Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers and TorontoMotorsports.com. I hope the Nashville race, which unfortunately I won't be able to attend, uh, is awesome. And I hope we have some really, really interesting motorized competition-based content to discuss 
next week on this show, which will indeed be recorded much earlier in the week. And I hope that the cool-down lap column I do for Racer is filled with really interesting things as well. Um, I'm going to hit stop and then go have dinner and hopefully post this and look forward to speaking to y'all extremely soon. <laughs>